Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, where we hear the stories of information security professionals. This podcast explores different angles, out-of-the-box ideas, and the human element of cybersecurity. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP so we can continue to bring on amazing guests. You can watch videos of the interviews at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is your host, Francesco. I'll bring you back their first series remastered because I think audio quality is very important. And I hope you enjoyed this remastered version. You can also watch the other episode on YouTube, the original one. Today we bring back Shamaine Tain that um, is joining us from all the way down from Australia. And we talk about her book, how she interviewed a number of CISOs, what her experience as an executive, as a risk executive is, and what are the benefits of running a community and bringing everybody together and how it exploded because of the interest. I hope you enjoy. We want to welcome Shamaine today in the call. Hello, Shamaine. Hi, Francesco and the rest of you. Thanks for having me here. So, Shamaine, do you wanna do we wanna crack on and give a little bit of your background? I'll talk about my background, and then we we start talking about um, a little bit of your experience with your book, uh, your experience in uh, Australia, and how Infosec is done like that uh, in there. On, on the on the on the old Commonwealth, <laughs> since we're discussing about Brexit these days, Commonwealth seems to be oh, a yeah. term coming back on. So I don't want to make it political. So let's let's keep the Brexit and, and Commonwealth out of it. <laughs> it's a common joke. Yeah, you mentioned. Um, yeah, so um, I I'm currently. Um, an executive advisor with Prevasec and I have an Asia-Pacific role. So um, I actually transited into this career in cybersecurity a couple of years ago. But before that, I wasn't really in this industry, even though I had a technical background. So um, quite a number of people have come up to me before and asked, you know, how do they get a career in cybersecurity and all that. So, um, yeah, I can share a bit more later as well. But, um, yeah, previously I was just really working with the C-level executives in terms of building up their security hubs and focusing on, you know, hiring in a security um, executive space. So that's how I started out. And then I decided to make the switch. Yeah. So a couple of years back, I just, um, they say I've gone over to the dark side, but <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I just left that industry and just went full steam ahead in the cybersecurity industry. And that became my focus, you know, just purely advising C-level people on business strategies and how they can bridge the gap. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, so I'm, I'm Francesco, your host, uh, been in cyber for probably 12 years running now. Um, I'm hosting this podcast. I'm, I'm here to share knowledge and background and the pain point of <laughs> the various mm-hmm. industry leader with, with our mentorship um, community and the whole world, honestly, my network. So let me ask you a question. So how, what, what got you in, into, into cyber? So what, what attracted you to, to, to go into the, 
into the dark side <laughs> from, a, from, a, from a sunny sea level suite to the dark side of the basement. <laughs> Um, I would say I've always been intrigued by, you know, like not just understanding what the business people face, but also what is it like right on the ground or what is it like, you know, going into the hackers world. So um, in my current role, I have the benefit of being able to work directly with, you know, ethical hackers themselves and um, being able to witness like, you know, some of the war stories um, mm-hmm. that they live through when it comes to actually breaking into organizations, you know, how they go about to do social engineering, um, physical intrusion and things like that. So it does give me a good um, understanding of, of both perspectives, right? Um, so how did I actually went into that? Well, um, <laughs> Riversec actually was one of my um, clients from many years ago. And um, one thing I would like to highlight is that the good thing about the cyber industry is that, you know, people are coming to realize that you're not looking for some, like a person who takes, you know, your standard boxes, right? But you actually need to find people from diverse backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you need people from different perspectives, um, to come together and, and, you know, really collaborate. So people are becoming more open to, you know, get people even from like, um, from legal background or even, you know, those who came from a psychological um, background or mathematicians. And yeah, so there is this thing that we have in Australia. It's called the Australian Women in Security Network. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they have something like that. Uh, I know Jane Franklin is, is pretty big in the UK. Yeah, um, no, we have Women in Cybersecurity Forum. We have uh, yeah. London Lady Hacking Community. We're trying to spin up. Um, so I'm a big sponsor and supporter for uh, women in cyber or non-gender or non-binary mm. gender identified or whoever identifies as a woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm running so... out of terms, but cyber is a difficult space. And especially with the recent Cloud Security Alliance, I was uh, trying to get half of the speakers to be female-led mm. and the conversation that we, we had were actually challenging and mm. also there aren't that many that many women that are in this space and especially if you narrow it down to cloud it's even challenging it's even more challenging yeah that's true so i think um i first found out about awsn through someone actually who invited me and mm. i was really pleasantly surprised to find that there's a community you know where they're really supportive they're also really vocal about the challenges that you know people face in terms of being in the industry or even attracting new talent into the industry and um when i guess when I heard about like the real challenges and also saw for myself that mm-hmm. everyone is just really welcoming and I'm not just talking about like, you know, the, the women there, but there were a lot of male allies as well that showed great support and they were able to see potential mm-hmm. in, in the new people trying to get into the industry then they gave that sort of um, um, platform to help them Push. get there. Yeah, so yeah, so that was something that I guess gave me that, well, many years ago, gave me that um, encouragement, right, to to take that step forward. And ever since then, um, I would say this industry is really quite different from, from like maybe IT industry or other mm. industries that I've come from. Um, I've seen the benefits of, of people just um, collaborating together 
um, and they all seem to be on the same side, you know, like uh, after speaking to quite a few C-level, there's one instance where one of them would tell me that, you know, it's a small market, people move to different organizations uh, quite frequently. Uh, they tend to take talent from each other. <laughs> um, but what they are also saying is that they don't, um, they actually support that because they feel at the end of the day, it's all in the same industry. We're all for the same purpose and same course and we're all fighting the same so-called enemy. So um, it was quite interesting. Actually. Yeah. There is, there is a lot of topics. I mean, I was just discussing with a few recruiters in Australia and there is a lot of challenge on retaining mm -hmm retaining talent and, and growing talent and it's, it's the same here in UK and in US is even worse um, but it's interesting your angle to actually say they, they are encouraging and, and I and I would agree because effectively you create that healthy environment where people can move around and we promote talent instead of just locking them down but I'm also looking at it from a C-level uh, suite it's challenging when you put so much effort inside a person. So, and and it really needs a forward-looking person to say yeah. what are the benefits that I can actually offer an individual to keep you interested. Because fundamentally, with all the if you want unicorn that I speak with, ninety percent uh, of the time it's not about money. It's about being interesting, doing something interesting, doing something for the yes. community. That's keeping right. that that traction that is not just about money yeah you're you're spot on um and and you're right there's two sides of the coin so there are people who are still a bit more traditional and they battle with the fact that yes you know they are investing that time and, and effort in raising you know in, in growing a new talent and they are conscious that oh okay they might lose them after like a year two years so they feel hesitant to actually hire new like fresh grads they rather get like, more experienced people but with that problem is that, you know, you, it's just a small circle that you can pick from, right? And we're not really thinking about the next generation. And then on the other side, we have people who are a bit more forward thinking, like what you mentioned. And, and those are the leaders that I was really pleasantly surprised to see there's quite a number of them at the C-level that have changed their mindset and they have come to terms with the fact that, yes, they, you know, they will have to invest in developing new and good talent, but they are mindful they won't be there for long and they're okay with that. <laughs> so um, mm -hmm. I've had a few stories where they even like help someone else um, prepare for their job interview with another organization. Mm -hmm. And this is oh, really? Suddenly, yeah, I know. That's really forward looking. <laughs> I know, yeah. So I must say there's not many of them who are like that, um, but this was a, a recent story personally from the size of himself so that that was a good demonstration of a good leader interesting uh, it's very interesting now here i think aside from few forward-looking c-level suite that i've been interacting with um it, it's very very it's much more traditional and and we see that also with the organization that i collaborate with ic square isaka um mm. isp um they're all very, very traditional. The people that you tend to find, and maybe that's just because of UK. So we, we're more focused on governance and we're very good on governance and structure. Uh, but then when you come down to the engineering level, it's a little bit different for us. So mm. I think there is, so in, in all in all the client that I have and, and role that I do, I tend to do a hell of a lot of education on the C-suite. Uh, on, on what cyber and, and how to retain the talent. And I'm not seeing people that come from that 
side of the industry. So I think mm. maybe I put it this way, and you can quote me on this. Maybe in in ten years' time will be will be better. But cyber is is so interchangeable and change and a changing landscape yeah. that you never you never stop learning. So I think we need to build more generalists and that relies on the specialists. And specialists can be anybody in the in the organization. So on, on your point, Shemaine. Mm. I like the idea to actually upskill the legal people, upskill other 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 talent because we we have a talent shortage and we need everybody. Security yes. is everybody's responsibility, as me and Tanya yes. say. <laughs> exactly. Everybody, yeah. everybody that come on my presentation is sick of that word. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I literally hammer it in everybody's mind. <laughs> Okay, so I guess all your um, loyal subscribers would have heard this many times, like Yanis and Naivan. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, we, we have we have diverse attendee uh, at every call because we have such a diverse uh, audience and, and mm -hmm. speakers. So sometimes we talk about pen testing and we get more traction on the, on the technical yes. stuff. And then we have more generalists or more um, C-level suites. So they want to know how to answer questions. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, so looking forward, you want to talk a little bit about the book? <laughs> well, um, Since I'm it's thinking. fresh off the press almost, <laughs> you can smell the ink. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, uh, maybe my dreams. Now it's coming soon in about two weeks time. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's, I know you took a short, shorter time to write your first book, but for me, um, I took about, I think it's about, quite a number of years I would say wow. um, but when I first like when I properly started like putting everything together so that's maybe just about two years ago um, and then it got really intense during the last two years because I was actively meeting different C-level people mainly CISOs mm -hmm. um, or CISOs as we call it in Asia <laughs> in Australia it's CISO so anyways so um, you call it a different way different way right <laughs> yeah so they are um what I, what I saw as well is um, like speaking to different sizes in different industries, you, you will actually tap into, again, different insights. And mm -hmm. also I didn't restrict it to Australia, but I branched out to, you know, speaking to sizes in Singapore, in Hong Kong, in Israel, in um, US as well and mm -hmm. a couple of them from the UK. So try to get it as, you know, as diverse um, perspectives as, as possible and it's really interesting when you know I was putting all of it together um, there's quite a number of interesting challenges that I'm seeing that are quite similar and also um, some of the key considerations that our modern day sizes looked at and um, also like you know I got them to share about like approaches that work really well for them when it mm -hmm. comes to navigating the the board for instance, you know, how they navigate their stakeholders. Um, there's a whole section on like the top 15 tips, you know, that would they would give to I people like, who are aspiring uh, to different goals. I like, I like the tips and I like the thesis. Hey, Francesco here. A very quick message from our sponsor and then we return back. This podcast is brought to you by the generosity of NSC42 Limited, your cybersecurity partner. Cybersecurity is complex and different for every organization, and you need the best tailored service to make sure your customer's data is safe and sound so you can focus on what's important, focusing on your clients and bringing the best and safest experience. 
NSC42 Limited can help you during your cloud transformation, cybersecurity assessment for your compliance checklist on-premise and on the cloud. Want to know more? Visit www.nsc42.co.uk to get your free quote. We tried, we tried the approach of how do you talk to a CISO and how a CISO talks to you and how a CISO talks to the board. So can you, can you maybe share some insight on that? Because I think it's a hot topic at the moment. Yeah, so um, I would say um, I, I did um, break it down quite a fair bit in the book, but at a very high level, maybe um, two key things that uh, they've highlighted. One is that they take the time to really understand individual risk and like, how does it speak to the individuals? Because every like board member comes from different backgrounds. Um, they have different understanding of security and cyber risk. Um, so it's about really taking the time to go down to the individual level. Uh, one, the, the second thing actually that came out quite a fair bit is, um, interestingly, they have realized that actually one size was telling me um, that these days it's as if you really need like a MBA in um, yeah. business and communications, you know, just learning how to talk to the different stakeholders. So, um, yeah, so that's something that um, they have realized. Mm. Interesting on that subject because I just, uh, I just put in together a comms plan for just all the cyber ah. initiative we're doing internal and external. So I think, uh, especially for highly regulated industry, uh, it's it's more and more coming into scrutiny. So I'm, I'm very I'm very public on whatever I do. I'm, I'm talking to journalists, I do interviews. So uh, especially working in financial service, and you might have touched on, on some of this. It's it's challenging because we are security professional. We, we are supposed to be thought leader and, and be out there and share what we know. But also, if you look at the social engineering aspect or the fact that we fundamentally represent the brand, it's, it's challenging for us to share information. So what, what's your thought on that? On, on how much can we share and how much, what's the challenge around that? Or if it's just me facing this challenge, or is there is a whole sentiment around the industry? Sorry, so you're saying like sharing the challenges um, internally? Oh, sharing or information. You... Sharing information externally, so having a Across industry. Yeah. Oh, right. Um, so how much do you share? How much information do you yeah. give out? And and how do you balance being out there, you know, helping people, yeah. being a thought leader? And being conscious that, you know, the information might be used, uh, you know, against exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. Against that's your brand. It is a tough one. Um, so I'll say there's two sides. One is that um, I've seen a lot of sizes um, forming like a, a good community where they talk among each other in a shut on house rules sort of uh, environment. And in that context, they do share um, their challenges that they face and share certain information um, and they use it to help you know each other. But it's in the context of knowing it's there has to, there have to be some sort of uh, mutual trust going on, mm -hmm. and they they do know each other. They have become friends over the years, so so that is um, a smaller group setting um, where they have formed like some sort of forum or roundtables. But there, on to take it at a different scale, there is um, so there's this government size that I was talking to as well, and then we talk about like how about countries, you know, sharing information with each other mm -hmm. and and like the intelligence that they're using. I mean, they are also conscious that sometimes um, if you're using a certain country's intelligence, uh, a, a product, for instance, 
um, they are mindful that maybe they're not getting the whole picture, but they're also conscious that the other country is also getting information from them. So, I mean, it's like, um, yeah. It's a, I think it's a real space yeah. exercise. And actually, on the term, on the term of sharing, uh, I know, I know you, you started a forum some time ago mm-hmm. in, in, in your area. So do you want to talk about uh, how that meetup, uh, the cyber risk meetup came about? Uh, right, yes. Oh, that's a, <laughs> a good, good uh, circle back to that. That's mine. Uh, yeah, so um, I started initially when I, was, um, when I was actually quite new to the industry, or rather I was really keen to just learn as much as mm-hmm. I can from different, um, you know, people. And I realized that there are a lot of speakers out there that, but at the sea level, maybe I feel they're not very comfortable with sharing like mm. real practical um, experiences because of, of what you mentioned earlier, right? Because they're conscious they're representing their company and their organization. And the brand. Exactly. So they don't feel very comfortable to be able to share that personal opinion. And they have to go through a lot of hoops in order to get approvals. Yeah. I have my PR team screening every <laughs> every single thing that I say and, and view and review and approve. So I oh, feel that wow. Way. You, okay, wow, but you managed to do a lot of um, <laughs> things, even with yes. your, so that's good, yeah. Um, so what I would um, find is that they, they, it's quite difficult for them to be able to speak freely in a public setting. So that's, that's how I got the idea that, hey, the Cyber Risk Meetup is not an official platform, it's not like, um, and we are not meant to compete with public. Other- yeah, so we are not competing with ISACA or um, or in Australia we have the ASA or ISC Square. Rather, we are there mm-hmm. to really complement what they are doing. So I'm trying to find that gap where um, I can still build a community and allow the community to hear directly from the sea level, but it's not an official platform. So that was... That's very interesting approach. Yeah, so actually, it turned. I, well, it was just started off as an idea, and I didn't expect it to take off so well. Like the very first session we had in Sydney, uh, we had like it was full house. I think we had about hundred people turned up. Wow! And then uh, from then on, it was history because we only run it once every three months. Mm-hmm. Um, in Sydney now, like more than two hundred and fifty people will try to register, and I just don't have space. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it will be like um, yeah. So um, what happens is that we will have like um, a panel session and we have mm-hmm. we had one session where it's, um, you know, like where would the um, CISO report into? And then we have a CTO, a CRO, a, a CIO and a CISO, you know, like debating over this mm-hmm. topic. So that was quite interesting. Um, and then we have, when GDPR came out and stuff like that, of we had course. like... Yeah, I had like a, you know, law partner debating with another one on, on like the privacy laws. And we, we um, so it was quite an interesting format. Like I try to follow like TED Talk styles um, mm-hmm. and usually have like not just panel segments, but, you know, short TED Talks, like 15 to 20 minutes. Um, and then, you know, the speakers are encouraged to deliver it in a really engaging way. And, and um the good thing is that they were able to share real things um, like mm-hmm. about maybe certain breaches that happen in their organization even um, because it's a shut house rule environment. 
So that gave them the assurance as well. And, and I guess that's where people benefit most because you, you get to hear the real things rather than just the, you know, fluffy sort of... Fluffy uh, talk. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. real thing. And I think, and I, think uh, I see that a lot in, in UK, that there are a lot of conference coming up in the ship, but where I see the real value of myself and my peers is smaller events, more targeted. So mm -hmm. actually on the topic, um, I'm spinning up a similar forum, but just for financial industries so among a number of banks, we can actually talk and share uh, information. Uh, and that's yeah. coming probably towards the end of the year or, or beginning of next year. And I'm probably uh, going to follow the same yeah. format, your same format. Mm, so okay, happy, yeah. happy, happy to share happy to share idea and what works and what doesn't work oh yes definitely yeah looking forward to hearing more about yours too <laughs> yeah so, yeah definitely um yeah who knows right because like we started out in sydney and then now it's in like melbourne in perth in brisbane and it's in singapore and who knows you might be able to run one for us in the uk <laughs> We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, consider leaving us a review or sponsoring us on Patreon. It helps us bring on amazing guests and keep the podcast alive and free. Consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP and watch other episodes at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Thank you.